I got friends only wanna talk business. I got expensive, cause when is expensive? I got expensive, cause when is expensive? I've been out of work. Now I'm shutting down stars. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Put That Coffee Down for this week in September. I'm Kevin Hill here with Rishi Daigle, as always, and we are going to talk about freight sales. We're going to talk about discovery and that, that hard work that, that everyone loves to just kind of skip over as quickly as possible. But it, every time you don't put your, your full effort into discovery, qualification, active listening, you just you, you're losing sales, aren't you, Richie? Yeah, yeah. If you're not uh, if you're not qualifying, if you're not discovering, then your sale is based on assumptions. Oh, and we know what assumptions do, don't we? They they make things. They out they of do. They, they're making an ass out of you and me. <laughs> exactly. Uh, right. Exactly. So <laughs> we we don't want to do that. We want to, to get really good information, and those were kind of where the fun conversations were. And that's where the, the close starts to happen. You know, we talk about trial closes, you know, in sales all the time. And, and, and oftentimes they're cheesy little, you know, little gimmicks uh, throughout the sales process. You know, if I could do that right now, would you sign on, but the, on the line that is dotted, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. And, you know, I think if you do a really good job during discovery and, and qualification, the rest of the sales process just kind of falls in place it and it, there's not a lot of tension. There's not a lot of, uh, I, I would even argue there's not a hefty amount of negotiation at the end, because if you've laid out your value equation, you've done your discovery, if all of that is done correctly, mm -hmm. it should feel very natural. You um, shouldn't get to the close if you've done discovery right. Yeah. I mean, you shouldn't even get to the point where you're negotiating. I would agree. And it's, and it's a lot easier to talk about these things in our position than to actually do it. Mm -hmm. And and that's how important discovery and qualification is and why we're having this conversation. It is, it is. Let's talk about surge transportation here. Surge transportation is the fastest growing 3PL in the logistics space today. Based in Chicago and Jacksonville, they offer unrestricted access to almost all accounts, limitless territory, and a chance to be a key player in a growing company. To find out more, email jobs at surgetransportation.com. That's jobs at surgetransportation.com. They're always recruiting great salespeople, great operators uh, of freight. So if you're looking, go to jobs at surgetransportation.com. So discovery, let's get back to the discovery calls, right? And the bedrocks of discovery calls, it, it does, right? You get to the end of the cell after you do really good discovery, there's about 10% of the actual negotiation that takes place, right? Mm -hmm. Compared to if you do a poor quality poor job of it right yeah. it's a fraction it's a tenth uh, of the amount of effort because a, a lot of non-qualified i won't say non-qualified that's that's bad I, I don't even like that term qualification but but there's a lot of people that just aren't going to be interested that the, there's not a good fit it's going to be like uh trying to take a, a uh you know a, a square square peg and, and putting it into a round hole Mm -hmm. And that's where all the all, all the frustrations in sales comes out when you're trying to do that. Well, you know, but it's a bit like dating, right? And, mm -hmm. and that both parties are projecting onto the other party what mm -hmm. they think and hope the other party is and what they can do. And those projections in reality rarely align perfectly, 
right? So both parties are taking into the conversation their own set of assumptions that I think and assume this about you and, and, and they have to have a conversation. You have to have a discovery to unpack that and find out if there is something that is uh, mutually beneficial within the, those arrangements. And if you can figure that out, there is your value discovery, your value equation, right? Mm -hmm. And that comes up organically and naturally during that discovery process. And if that's done well, and there's weight there, then the close just is, is a, a foregone conclusion. It's it just natural. takes care of itself. It's just natural at that point. So let, let's start off. We're going to talk a little bit about active listening here in a second. Let, let's start off with really good discovery questions. I found this on Calumly.com. And it's a, it's a tool that I've used for, for years. I, I really like it because it simplifies the back and forth uh, about setting up a meeting or a demo. Uh, I don't know how many, how many people I've lost in my sales career uh, in that back and forth of trying to figure out when a good time to meet is. Here's a calendar invite. Not mm -hmm. plugging Calendly. I, I, it's just a good automation tool. They have a good blog here um, about uncovering challenges and goals. And the first one is, what prompted you to explore our solution? So what that really means, that's a nice way of being very blunt and saying, why are you talking to me? Why do you take this meeting? Which is a very blunt question, and I think I was talking about it last week or the week before, but it is such a good question. It's really great to be straightforward and say that. Why are you talking to me? And when I hear that, the thing that comes to mind is, it's, a, it's almost like, who do you think I am? Who do, you, who do you think, what do you think that I do? Who do you think that I am? And what intrigued that about you to the point mm -hmm. where, where you agreed to this meeting? Yeah. And so you can start figuring out what their assumptions are and what are they bringing into the table and what are they projecting upon you? Um, and with that information, you can start getting into their, their thought process and mindset. And now you're beginning that, uh, that, that discovery. And if they say, I really don't know why, I, I think I might be wasting my time. That's a good answer, too. Yeah. Because if it's honest, then... It's information. It's information. There's no reason <laughs> to get to the close yeah. at that point. Yeah. Right? It's time to, to move on to somebody else. So that's what my boss is. Uh, my, my boss wanted me to do it. Well, that's great. I need to talk to your boss. Yeah. Right? I've had that before. And then, you know, the, my typical response is... It's a good indication, too. Why? Yeah. And you get into your four whys. You know, let's mm -hmm. get into the heart of things. Why, why does your boss ask you to sit down? Do you know why? You know? Mm -hmm. And what is your job? And, and then you can start unpacking things. And there may there, there might be an element of planting a seed, but it does help you set your expectations for the conversation accordingly, right? It does. It does. Okay, so next one is not a question, but it's tell me about your current process or what's your current process? So this is where you ask that or you say that, you get them to open up and start talking, and you just shut up. Don't say anything. Don't, don't say a word. Let them walk you through everything. This is not the time to say, oh, well, I, I see you doing this. Well, I have, a, I have a solution. No, 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 no. Just shut up. Just, you know, shut up. Let them tell you everything. Take good notes mm -hmm. and, and make sure that, that you're listening. And we'll talk about active listening in just a, a few minutes here. Just let them vomit all the words that they can because there are diamonds and gems in all of those words. You just have to, to let them go long enough to find them. Absolutely. Take good notes, be a sponge, and absorb everything. I mean, just take in all the information. 
the more information that you can get from that party, the better equipped you're going to be to present your solution. And, and the, yeah. or the better equipped you are, because some of those diamonds and gems are like, uh, maybe we should just stop the conversation right here. Yep. Maybe this is a waste of my time. It's a waste of your time. Uh, it's, it's not what I thought. Because, yep. you know, basically you're two strangers meeting in a demo or a presentation, and you kind of know what the other person is, but you don't really, kind of like dating, right? Yeah. And, you know, you might realize that, oh, I, I can't help this person. Yeah, it, it's just like dating. You go down to a first mm -hmm. date, and let's say that you have a hard, hard, uh, like the, your biggest turnoff is cigarettes, right? Like mm -hmm. you just can't be around cigarette smoke. Like it's a, it makes mm -hmm. you nauseous. And you're sitting down there and you're having that conversation and they pull out a pack of cigarettes and light one up and you're going, this is a deal breaker. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like, hey, nothing against you. I'm mm -hmm. not, no judgment. I'm going to go throw up. And uh, <laughs> it's been great. You know, we'll, we'll, I wish you all the best. Exactly right. Yeah, you get that out of the way really quickly. But tell me about your current process. They mm -hmm. will tell you what's right, what's wrong, maybe why they haven't made a move. Yep. And they'll expand out on why are you really talking to me? You know, why? You know, I reached out to you probably. I cold called you. You agreed to this meeting. There must be some reason. And you have to find that reason on there. The next one is what if you didn't do anything, kept the process the same. So I'll say that again. What if you didn't do anything and kept the process the same? This is kind of a question that addresses this. This is the way we've always done it. Yep. And it goes back to why are you talking to me? Mm -hmm. if, if what you're doing right now is, is brilliant and fantastic, why are you talking to me? Why are you talking to me, status quo, your biggest competitor? And this is another question that, that takes that on. You know, Adam Grant talks a lot about rethinking cycles mm -hmm. and, and asking questions uh, in certain scenarios that encourage rethinking cycles. So it's not that you're wanting to manipulate or, or win an argument or say, this is the right way to do something. That's not the way to really change someone's mind. Somebody has to change their own mind. And so asking questions that can cause a person to look internally and rethink how they're doing something is the first step to them starting to consider what it might be like to do things differently. It, it is. You're, you're there to uncover those problems, but it has to be your prospect's idea to take action. You, right. you can't force someone to take action. You have to set the stage to where they realize, oh, well, I can take action and resolve this problem. As soon as, like, my inclination is that if you push me, my first reaction is going to be to push back yes. and be resistant, right? And so if, if somebody feels like they're being pushed towards a conclusion, mm -hmm. even if that conclusion is correct, their inclination is going to be to push back. And, and that's something I've experienced a lot in sales. I, I know that something is going to help somebody. And I am trying and presenting mm -hmm. all these, what I think are bulletproof arguments to say like, look, this is going to help you. Like this is going to have this big ROI. I see that. But because I'm pushing that information and it's not that they've not come to that conclusion on their own, no matter how correct I am, <laughs> they're going to push back. Yeah, because you, you mentioned right there, the bulletproof logical points. But we know, we know, and if you don't know, you better learn pretty quickly 
sales decisions, like most decisions that human beings make in life, are not based on r ration and logic. Correct. They're based on emotion and instincts. And then we go back and analyze that using logic and rationality to see if we made the right decision or not. Yeah, you, you make the initial decision based off emotions, mm -hmm. and then you have some, some systems or organizations will have systems set up to say, we need to validate this or justify this emotional decision, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? So, so let's go to a procurement team. Or let's so, so when someone's <laughs> pushing something and maybe forcing a decision instinctually, it might be the best decision in your life, but you're going to fight back because that's, that's your, 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 your fight or, or flight type of, of reaction, that instinctual reptilian brain. If I came to you and I said, take this check for a million dollars, just take it, take it right now. I got to get out of here, but you have to take this right now. What are you thinking? Where did you steal the check from? <laughs> <laughs> You're concerned, right? Yeah, I'm very concerned. I could have all the best interest in mind, and I would, could be wanting to gift you a million dollars because I just won $800 million in the lottery, right? Mm -hmm. But if I'm coming to you saying, take it, take it, take it, I got to get out of here. You're like... I well, don't know why, but I don't want anything to do with this. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing. That's <laughs> no, you're response. exactly right. You're exactly right because we, it, it's your idea. I, I don't, I, I didn't get to make that decision, right? Correct. So, so you let people talk about the process. Don't try to sell them. Don't try to tell them what their solution is because really the, the first stage is you're selling people that the status quo isn't working, right? That's right. your first sell in the sales cycle. The status quo isn't working, and the, the, the best way to convince someone that what they're doing could be improved is let them try to explain it to you. And as they're explaining it, they're going to pick out the flaws. They're going to point out the flaws. It becomes their, that they, they take ownership of that idea of that change uh, of, of making a move, and mm -hmm. that's all you're trying to do. Yep, 100%. 100%. So, okay, so going on to active listening. So, so a lot of those questions are about getting answers, not making sales, not pushing things on people. It is really about sitting back and, and, and li listening. But as humans, we're horrible at listening. We, we are really bad at it, aren't we, Richard? Terrible, and myself included. You know, like, I, yeah. I, th I think we're all, we all, you know, fall guilty of this, but I think that there are some steps that you can take that if you can work into your process and how you address you know, sales calls and demos and conversations that can greatly help you avoid some, some landmines and pitfalls and help you listen uh, more effectively and, and yeah, have better outcomes. And so part, you know, the, I made a, I made a, you know, these are my bullet points. So mm -hmm. I'm going to take somewhat credit for this, but you know, I, I, I have you know read about this from other places and been through some exercises. But the first thing is, like we already talked about, give some space and listen. And you may find times where you want to jump in because you know a great comeback or a great solution. Give space. Let people talk and take notes and absorb as much as you can and start making a checklist of points you want to come back to, but listen and, and be calm, you know, don't jump too early, be patient. Uh, the next thing that I have here is keep an open mind. Some people may start talking about things where it doesn't make sense in, immediately, mm -hmm. or you have a knee jerk reaction to how you want to respond. Along with that patience, while you're listening to the entire story unfold, 
keep an open mind about you know how you're going to address various points along the way. Um, before I get into my my next two points, any anything to add there? Yeah, I will say from personal experience, you know, as a salesperson, I you know I I'd write down kind of my script or, or whatever, but I wasn't a, a great listener. I I, I worked on it. It's mm -hmm. something that I worked on. I, I can see a real difference. Um, uh, from from being on TV and doing live interviews uh, quite a bit. Uh, when I first started doing it, I was very detailed in the questions, which is which is good and you need to do, but it's hard to just stick to your questions and react to, because you're always thinking about what you need to say. Yeah. And I think that's something that we always do. Uh, over time, it, it's just, I, I don't, I, I might put down a couple topics, but I really listen. I listen and let the conversation flow. And that's something in sales ad that we all need to do is, is just let the conversation uh, flow, let it go. You're going to have something you want to say. And by the time you get a chance to say it, you're going to forget about it. It's, it's no big deal. If it's really important, it'll come up again. Uh, if, it, if it's not, then there's no reason to even say it. So that's, And yeah. I think the biggest thing here to me, and this has been the most helpful thing, because I've, I've felt some of those same things where it's like, I go back and think about calls afterwards. I didn't do a great job listening, or we missed here a little bit, or I mean, you, can, you kind of like, oh, I got through everything I want to say. Well, that's not a successful call. No, it, it could be, but it's <laughs> not accessible. It, it's just like I let the the prospect get through everything they wanted to tell me, plus more. I, I think that's more yeah. of a successful call than uh, I got all my selling points in. Well, during discovery and in the beginning of a sales process. I think it's important to remove as many assumptions as possible. And mm -hmm. I think one assumption that, that needs to be taken, you know, two assumptions, I would say, the assumption that I'm good at listening and the assumption that the other party is good at communicating. Both of those are assumptions. And, and There's a third assumption. The, 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 they are good at listening to you. <laughs> yeah. Really either, because there's a lot of calls that we go on and, and we give out our great presentation, and then two days later we call, and they're like, yeah, I don't even remember that part of the conversation. And that's the fourth assumption, that oh, okay. your presentation was great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you have all these assumptions, and those, what you can do is before you respond, so somebody has given out this, mm -hmm. this, you know, they, they've launched into their process or some long talk. Before you give a response, first, summarize everything that you just heard in your words, back to them and say, am I understanding you correctly? Th this is what I'm hearing you saying. If I'm hearing you correctly, this is my summary of everything that you just said. Is there anything that I'm missing? Is there anything that's off? Because now you can start, you know, if, if your understanding is off or if their communication is off or if something is out of sync, they have the opportunity there to set the record straight. That they do, the more times you do it, the better you get at it, the more natural it feels, the right. more natural it, it, it comes off because every sales book will tell you to do that. And, and it's like, well, to summarize what you just said, you know, and you can come off uh, a little bit scripted like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but the more you do it, the, the more natural it is uh, because that's how you should do every conversation in your life, not just sales conversations. Mm -hmm. Any kind of negotiation that you do with family and friends and and, and, and selling or buying a car, anything you do, you, you need to, to have that. And it's, it's part of active listening to summarize that. But the more you do it, the more natural it becomes. And it becomes a, a, a really good sign of respect for the other person. 
And I'd say that it's, it's people do it early on, probably more often than later in the sales process. Mm-hmm. But I would venture to say that when the conversation starts getting into a quick back and forth is probably when it's more necessary and more helpful. It and is. And more yeah. powerful because that's where communication can break down when you start having some types of negotiations or some types of heated conversations, if you will, where things are going back and forth really quick. A great way to slow down the cadence of that back and forth communication is to just say, okay, hold on. Let me make sure that I got my understanding correct here. And you can have a a little time, a little Mm -hmm. space to set the record straight, and then you can get back again. Yeah, Um, take a step back. Exactly. A little bit. Take a step back. Summarize, you know, you're asking for this as part of, of, of the deal. Right, mm-hmm. let's put that, and, and that's because of why again. Well, why is that so important? You know, just something mm-hmm. simple like that. Let them tell you why, and it might make sense. You might say, okay, that, that makes sense, and okay, this is what we can do. Or maybe then you say, well, this is, you know, mm-hmm. you, you can you can you can talk your way out of. It. And if you have assumptions around underlying causes that might be driving uh, some of those objections, yes. right? Mm-hmm. State that. I hear you saying this, and I feel like this might be why, or I feel like this might be a situation that's kind of driving this certain position you're taking. Am I right there? Is there something, or am I way off, my way off base? Mm-hmm. So you can also utilize that time to start poking and prodding and getting a little bit deeper into, uh, into what's happening. So, so what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story to me is wringing out all assumptions. Yes, get rid of assumptions. Understand that you have them, and then utilize your discovery to discover what is, and either confirm or or un- you know, unconfirm. Is that a word? I don't know. I don't know if it's a word or not, but yeah. or we'll, we'll just away. say unconfirm. Yeah, or and do away with those assumptions. And either either make them, you know prove them or, or unprove them. Unprove them. Yeah. Disprove them. Disprove them. Yeah. Or my, my language. I, I, I don't yeah. know. And always, always use the discovery as an opportunity to walk away from the, the table. You know, I, I think I, I think as salespeople, we want to make every sale possible that if, if it doesn't turn into a sale, then it's a failure. Um, you know, both your time, your prospect's time uh, is, is better served sometimes doing something else. So always have the option of, uh, of rejecting the uh, rejecting the cell, but rejecting the process, the sales process, I suppose. With this entity, uh, maybe it's not the right time. Maybe it's, it will never be the right time. Maybe you're you're better served doing something else. But always always feel like you have the the, the freedom to get up and say, you know what, I don't think we're a good fit. Hundred percent. And you, you ha- you're uns- you're discovering what is right, mm-hmm. and you have to address reality and what is in the best way possible and not project what you want it to be, right? I think sometimes- I like reality. I, I like that. Yeah. That's really good. You know, we, we want to make sales as salespeople. Like that's what we want to have happen. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we are projecting and thinking like, well, what if, or they could, or these types of things, or maybe if I just tell them about this. And that's great to have that, those creative juices flowing but you need the other party to confirm that. You need them yeah. to say, yes, that there is something there or no, there isn't. And if there isn't, then you've discovered that the, the elements that are necessary to make a sale aren't there and that's fine. Yeah, that's a success in its own way. It, it is. And we did, uh, I put that coffee down. Juno and I did one 
in 2020 is one of our early ones, like like 15 or, or 16th episode is, is when Kenny Rogers died. Yeah. It was like the week after that, and, and we named it No When to Hold Them and No When to Fold Them. Nice. And, and the discovery process is is certainly that time to know when to hold them, know when to fold them, know when to get up and walk away. Yep. And I yep. forget the next verse, but <laughs> uh, a big gambler fan here, you know, <laughs> the original chicken man, Kenny Rogers. So, uh, so some moral stories, ring out those assumptions and be on a very solid foundation as you really get into the, 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 the more difficult conversations down the line in negotiating and the sales process and making really hard decisions, at least basing those on reality makes it much simpler to make those decisions than on assumptions. Yep. So uh, let's uh, flip over to Sonar and do the Sonar chart of the week. Yeah, so uh, this is something that came up in a conversation that I had uh, with the company this past week. And I said, they, they were frustrated, right? So we were, we were, I was asking about their processes. What are they experiencing? There's a company frustrated right now in shipping. <laughs> yeah. News that I'm Shocking. <laughs> and, and I said, you know, some of our clients are utilizing our, our solutions in a way where they can form mutually beneficial contracts between shippers and carriers. And they were like, you got to be kidding me. Like, they my understanding is we yell at each other all the time. <laughs> and they, they've been experiencing a lot of frustration with their carrier partners mm -hmm. and finding capacity. And they said, well, I would love to see what that looks like almost as a challenge. And I said, well, I'm glad you asked because this is exactly what you would do. We have these opportunity views in SCI. So we have uh, contract rates with lane scores. So you can, you know, the opportunity view that you're looking at here, this first one is, where are shippers overpaying versus the market on lanes that are healthy to carriers from a reload standpoint? And so these are lanes where theoretically you should be able to work with your carriers and say, we want to pay closer to the market. And we can see that these are good lanes where you want to have your assets because your, your probability for reloads and backhauls are very high. So that's the first view. And there's so a, is that, is that yeah. point into a headhaul market? Yeah, so it'd be like, you know, you're sending that carrier's truck into a market where the conditions are tight and they're going to have a lot of good opportunity to find their next load. Like Chicago or Atlanta. Southern California. Right Southern there. California. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Okay. So, you know, you're getting those high scores and, and then also is, is weighting things at the origin market a bit too to say like, mm -hmm. are you leaving a tight market to a tight market or are you leaving a loose market and going to a tight market? That's a carrier's dream. Get out of a market that's loose. You get out with freight and you go to some place where you have lots of reload potential, that would get like a 90, right? Mm -hmm. The opposite of that, you know, if you leave Southern California and you have to go to Phoenix, that's, no one's thrilled about that. <laughs> so, no. But there's a second chart here where it's the flip of it. Um, and let's see, well, there's one opposite. I don't know if they, they got there's a second one, but I can talk through it. There's two different screens here. The, the next one is gonna be those lanes where you are paying less, shippers are paying underneath the market so less than the average market rate, and they're bad lanes to a carrier. Yeah, here, here we go. So these are lanes where the these relay, backhaul lanes. Yeah, you know, lots high probability of empty miles and deadheading after dropping this Vegas. freight off. Yeah, like going into places where carriers don't want to go. Yeah. These are lanes where your spot exposure or spot risk are extraordinarily high because mm -hmm. you're underneath the average market, and they're bad lanes. So carrier, there's the two reasons why carriers would want to pull trucks from these lanes. So by you know carriers and shippers sitting down with both of these views, that second one, mm -hmm. the shippers are going to be better off financially if they're paying 
over the market or at least the market mm -hmm. to make sure that they're getting the service that they need to lessen their spot exposure. So that's a beneficial a, a benefit for the shipper. And then the carrier they're contracting with is going to want more money on those lanes anyways because they're having to think about you know empty miles and backhauls. Mm -hmm. So if you can start utilizing these tools to say, okay, here's where it makes sense to pay a bit more. Here's where it makes sense to pay a little bit less. And we can start putting together packages of lanes for awards that, that benefit all parties. Yeah, because you want consistency, even if you're paying a little bit above what you perceive as market, you want to, to lock in those contracted rates rather right. than taking your risks on the, the spot market. Exactly. Which in those backhaul lanes are, and even the headhaul lanes, highly volatile, especially on days and years and cycles like we're seeing right now. Some of those backhaul lanes can be wildly just volatile. Yep. So that's uh, the bread and butter, I think, of uh, what, you know, how this data and visibility can be used to put together, you know, contracts and agreements that benefit both parties. And now it's not so much of this zero sum game. I want more. I want to pay less and, mm -hmm. uh, and, and so forth. Yeah. Great charts, Richie. And great show as well. Uh, talking about discovery, talking about the sell cycle. We're going to dive more into sell cycle next week. Uh, Tuesday, 12 p.m. Eastern Time, as always, here for Put That Coffee Down with Kevin Hill. Uh, I can't even say my name. Kevin Hill and Richie Daigle. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive, winning expensive. I got expensive, winning expensive.